Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of the day you're watching this broadcast, this is Dr. Eric Tangumo came with IEM Approach, where we inspire, equip, and motivate people to discover God's great potential in them, develop that potential, and deploy it. I want to thank you so much for joining us. You could have been in many uh, different places. In fact, we are bombarded by a lot of information these days. And I want to appreciate you taking the time to stop by. We are all about solutions. We are all about the way forward and moving forward. We are all about you winning and winning big. We are all about you prospering physically and spiritually. We are all about you reaching your full potential. And anything that comes between you and the potential, your God-given potential, it has. And it must be confronted and dealt with accordingly. You can scale over it, you can go around it, or you can go through it. Whatever stands before you, you need to face it squarely and deal with it. We've been talking about racism because racism has the potential. of preventing you from reaching your full potential. It's an enemy that you cannot afford to neglect. You need to face it and deal with it accordingly. Do me a favor, share this broadcast, subscribe to my YouTube channel, invite other people to join us. I've been speaking from my book, Racism, Where Is Your Sting? A Provocative Look at the Beginning and the End of Racism. Yeah, it's provocative because I dare suggest that you can defeat racism. I dare suggest that racism is a boogeyman, it's a social construct, it's a toothless bulldog. Racism is like a rolling lion that has no teeth and the claws have been clipped. Get the book, read it, get your freedom, get copies for other people so that they too can be set free. We are not at the mercy of racism. We are not at the mercy of other people. We are not at the mercy of any system. You need to understand that if you truly want to experience true freedom. For he that the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. We are going to enter into chapter six today. 
two more chapters, we are done with the book. I have 18 plus books that I've written. We're going to go through all of them. Stay tuned, subscribe, hit that notification button. So when I come live, you can join us. And right now, if you are watching on the multiple, multiple platforms this has been streamed, I would like to get your feedback. If you have questions, if you disagree with what I'm saying, let's have, let's have a civil uh, discussion. But if you choose to be rude, insultive, and arrogant, it's on you. I've already been misunderstood, labeled, and called many names. And it doesn't really matter what you think. Let me get your feedback. Yesterday, I said, you are fearfully and wonderfully, amazingly, miraculously made. You are not an accident. If you've been taught that you are an accident, that you are the product of millions of years of unguided evolution, and it just happened to be here with no purpose in mind, and that your only purpose is to pass the DNA to the next generation. You've been lied to. You have a spirit. Death does not end it all. Life continues. You will live forever. You will live forever. You've been created in the image and likeness of God with a purpose. You are not just here for the sake of it. Understand that. Understand that. You don't need other humans to make you human because you already are. None is inferior, none is superior. If you are suffering from inferiority complex, I want you to know today that you are wonderfully and fearfully made. If you are suffering from superiority complex, the need to feel that you are better than other people. You need help because there is one human race. It's neither Jew, nor Gentile, nor male, nor female. We are one in Christ. That is my perspective. That is where I'm coming from. If you have another alternative, Let's discuss it. Present your facts. Let's not go by sound bites and half truths. If you think skin color is enough to separate people in different categories, you should tell me why that is important and the significance of melanin when all of us have melanin, by the way. It's taken us a long time to get to this point. Chapter six is talking about the end, the end of racism. 
And I dare say that anything that has a beginning has an end. We are not at the mercy of racism. And using skin color to classify people is a bad idea. It doesn't make sense. It's useless. We must move away from it. In the past broadcast, I was very adamant and very clear about my position because I asked the question, when you say people are black, what do you mean by that? Have you met anybody that looks like the color of this eye part? Anybody that looks this black? We should stop using those labelings. There is hope. Let me start today with this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He said, I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the stateless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final say. Unconditional love will have the final say. Light will triumph over darkness. Light has always triumphed over darkness. No matter how dark it is, those walking in light will triumph. Racism is darkness. Racism is evil. Racism is sin. Racism is a manifestation of the depravity of the heart of man. Racism points to the original sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yesterday, I mentioned the case of a man in Maryland this month who is under trial for murdering his 42-year-old daughter, dismembering her body and dumping it in a dumpster. This same man killed his son and his son's friend. How on earth will somebody do something so heinous and so evil? Did he kill his daughter because his daughter didn't look like him? Did he kill his daughter because his daughter had a different skin pigmentation? The answer is no. Did Cain kill Abel, his brother, because he was of a different race? No. This one human race. Slavery was perpetrated by selfishness, greed, in short, sin, wickedness. We cannot allow sin to be covered using the clock of racism. No, you don't hate people because of their skin color. 
you hate them because you are evil. There's evil in your heart and it's been made manifest. You should know better. You see another human being, you should know. Unfortunately, we are all flawed. And that is why throughout the book, I keep insisting, racism is not a uniquely an American problem. It's universal. Anywhere you find human beings interacting, sin is manifested. People kill each other. People hate. They're greedy. They're selfish. And they do all to take advantage of one another. The end of racism. Anything that has a beginning has an end. I refute the title of this chapter is a paradox because throughout the book, I pointed out that racism is a social construct, a facade, a bogeyman that has morphed into a monster that is extremely difficult to define and contain. It's difficult to define and contain racism. I try to define it. If we have only one human race, if there's only one human race, then what is racism? What is racism? Can you define it for me? Please, I will plead with you, if you are watching this, write your definition of racism in the comment section, what you define racism to be. And let me help you out. In Cameroon, where I was born, as I speak, there is a war in the country. Cameroon is divided into 10 provinces. Eight of those provinces, the majority, they speak French. Two provinces speak English. Our colonial past handed down that legacy to us. The section of the country that speaks French was occupied by the French and administered by the French for 50 years. And the other section that speaks English was occupied by the British and administered by the British for 50 years. Then supposedly independence was granted to the two countries, a referendum was conducted, a plebiscite was conducted, and the French side and the English side decided to come together and form a United Republic of Cameroon, or a Federal Republic of Federal Republic of Cameroon initially. Fast forward a few years later in 1972, the United Republic was formed. They would try so they dissolved the parliament, uh, the regional parliaments on both sides of the country and formed a unitary state. This was the beginning of the problems the country is having right now. The Anglophone side, those who speak English, they've been saying, we feel that we are in the minority. You heard the word minority? Don't they use that word minority in the United States? When they're talking about relationship between Caucasians, and other people's groups, like those from Asia, African-Americans, Hispanics, Latinos, whatever labeling you want to put. You hear that word minority. 
So the minority Anglophones are complaining, and rightfully so, that they don't have access to power. They are not involved in some of the major decision making in the country. They are being marginalized. They, they, they are being forced to adopt French customs. Their own customs are being undermined. The, 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 the Anglophones don't have access to some of the uh, prestigious ministries like the territorial administration. The list of grievances goes on and on, and they feel that they've been treated as second class citizens, they've been discriminated against. Sounds like racism, isn't it? Lack of opportunity. Some have been oppressed, subjugated. And now the Anglophones or those who speak English want to free themselves from this yoke. The president from the French side declared war. And people have been killing each other now since 2016. Kids have not gone to school on the English side since 2016 in some parts of the country. These are people that have the same amount of melanin in their skin, yet they feel that they don't belong. They feel that they are being looked down upon. Isn't it the same sentiment in the United States between the minorities and the Caucasians? It's the same sentiment. And that is why I want to define racism for me. I've said it's a social construct, and those who constructed it had dubious intentions. The idea of racism is strange in my heart, it's strange in our hearts, for it is in the news every day. We hear it, oh, racism, racism. If you ask people, what is racism? Uh, people will say, oh, the, the black, the whites are mistreating the blacks. But ask those in um, the caste system in India, how they feel about it. Ask the Anglophones in Cameroon, how they feel about their relationship with the Francophones. The same complaints. And that's why racism has nothing to do with race at all nothing to do with race, because it's one human race. It has been said, if you tell a lie to people repeatedly, it will be accepted as a truth. And this social construct of racism will be bombarded with it to the extent that to some people, the, the, we've been bombarded with the idea of racism to the extent that it is almost heresy to dare suggest that it is a social construct. When you tell people, look, what is actually happening? People killing each other, enslaving each other, has nothing to do with race. It's a manifestation of greed. It's a manifestation of sin. It's a manifestation of wickedness. 
Nobody ever said, oh, I'm going to do this to them because the person is having more melanin in their skin. And even when they say it, they've dehumanized whoever that might treat him and not treat him right. In your mind, you've lowered them a little bit. If you consider them to be equal, if you consider them to be human like you, you will treat them like you treat other people. And it is evil for us to call that which God has said good, bad. To call that which God says is good, inferior. If you are doing that, you need to change. The amount of melanin in your skin does not make you inferior or superior. If you've been taught that and you believe that, you are wrong. You cannot justify it. There is zero scientific evidence that says somebody's skin color has anything to do with the content of their character. I went right to the extent of saying that geology, I'm a geologist, teaches us to be careful when we try to use color to identify minerals because the same mineral can have many different colors and are different minerals that have the same color. If you just go by what you see, if you just go by the color, the play of light on those minerals, you will identify the minerals wrongly. That's why we stick to the streak of the mineral, which is the color of the powder of the mineral. You crush the mineral and the color that you see is a color that doesn't change. We need to know people by the content of their character. Deal with each individual as an individual. Stop making generalization. Stop saying, oh, the Africans have done that. The Africans are like this. You've been lazy. All the Caucasians are like this. You've been lazy. When you meet each person, get to know them. Listen to them. Give them a chance. When they let you down, you say, yes, this is my experience with this particular individual, and this is the outcome. Stop generalizations. We like to do it as human because we get lazy. And that is why even when it comes to, if at all we're even supposed to use color to identify people, why, why stop at two colors? Why stop at two colors? Are we saying that there are only two colors? Black and white? Really? Who are we kidding? Who are we deceiving? Who are we lying to? If we want to use color, it's a whole spectrum. Let's use the spectrum of colors. It's not enough to say, oh, the colored people. Are some colorless? Have you met any colorless person? If you have, please, let me know. It's important for us to ask questions and let it start with you. There are people who strongly believe that racism is real and very tangible and they see everything through the eyes of race. 
they have been brainwashed into thinking that people are divided by the color of their skin. I'm here to say no, people are not divided by the color of their skin. Society has done that, but it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it true. We are not. That is why blood transfusion is done among all humans. Organ transplant, if you find a donor that matches, skin color has zero, zero contribution. If I'm wrong, let the medical doctors straighten me up, please. Help me out here. When you see a, a back of blood, can you tell if this blood came from a Caucasian, from a Hispanic? You cannot. You cannot. So why are we so concerned about the color of a building? Does it define the building? Anybody in their right mind will know that the color doesn't. What defines that building is the foundation, the, the internal framework of the building. And that's why we are all the same in the inside. I don't have any problem with the amount of melanin I have. I don't. It doesn't bother me at all. I was born in the tropics. What do you expect? The sun being overhead most of the time. I need to be protected from UV radiations. That is why I have more melanin. Why is that a problem to you? Why? Why is that a problem? It's none of your business. And when you stop classifying people like that, it doesn't make sense. We keep doing it. It should stop. It is absurd that the white and black classification permits every segment of our society. Oh, I'm black, I'm white, I'm black, I'm white. Really? You really are white? You really are black? Who are we kidding? You're not black, you're not white. You're human. Some are brown, some are chocolate, some are... But why does color really matter? Is it important? It's not. I mentioned that in Bamumbu, I'm from Bamumbu. In the Bamumbu language, when I was a kid, we called some, anything that is foreign, something that is not indigenous. We, we, we say, when we use the, 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 the phraseology of ndik, ndik, we are referring to something that is not uh, in indigenous to the to our area, uh, for example, we call rice. Uh, so beans is called mukun in our language. So rice, we don't grow rice; it's not indigenous. So we call rice mukun dik. So it's like foreign foreign beans. And that is why we call. The Caucasians are the white. We call them Ndik first, foreign Ndik, and then we qualify it. Since Ndik refers to foreign, when people leave 
the village and they go somewhere else, we say they've gone to Ndik, they've gone to another place, they've gone to a foreign place, they've left the place. So we call Caucasians, we call white, Ndik, Membang, Ndik, Membang, foreign, red. They are under the tropical conditions. When they made Caucasians, they had a red color because of the blood flowing in their veins. You know what I'm talking about, isn't it? Isn't it? You understand? If we, do you want to play the color game? If you really want to play the color game, we will have, based upon the Bamumbu people, it's not a black and white divide. It's going to be what? A red and black divide, isn't it? Let's play the color game. And one of the episodes I said, we have just three colors, by the way. Are we primitive for having just three colors? Red, white, and black. Those are the main colors that we use. Green is black. Are you surprised now? Yellow is red. Come on, what are you talking about? How can yellow be red? Yeah, yellow is red. Blue is black. Blue, I just said blue, is black. Green is black. Now you're wondering, how can that be? Of course, just as you call me black and this is black, how can that be? Let's wake up. I found it, I find it very interesting that highly educated people who know better keep perpetuating this nonsense. Let's stop using color. It's flawed, makes no sense. People have names. Why don't we use their names? Must we group them? Why do we have to group them? For control and manipulation? Putting one group against the other? Divide and rule, divide and conquer? Tribalism? Is that really what we're trying to do? Sure, that is it. The politicians like it. See what the blacks have done. What the whites have done, what the yellows have done, what the greens have done, we fight and they rule and subdue. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not bitter. I'm not hungry. You may say I am. No. The intention of this book was not to dwell on the negativity associated with racism ethnocentrism, and tribalism. Care was taken to demonstrate that a social construct such as racism has no place in any civilized society, but it has persisted because society continues to give life to it. In the final chapter of the book, I'm going to hammer the last nail on the coffin in which racism is to be placed and buried. And I invite you to join me. Let's bury racism. The truth, and the truth alone will set us free.
The call in this book is for individual action because society is made up of individuals. You were born alone. You came through the birth, birth canal alone. Bathing is an individual experience. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. When each person begins to change, other people will follow. Let the change begin with you. Start affirming who you are. Start believing who you are. Made in the image and likeness of God, whole and complete. As we bury racism, you realize that some people will not do it because it is a personal choice. Be you transformed by the renewal of your mind. If you refuse to believe who you are and you choose to believe what other people say you are, it's a choice. I want you to no longer be at the mercy of any social construct. And I want you to break free from an unfounded, from any unfounded opinions about yourself. I want you to know who you are, affirm it, and walk in that realization, trying to change the ignorant and bigoted person it's not your job. Focus on you. Be you. You don't need anybody's approval to be human. You don't need anybody's permission to be on this planet. You don't need anybody's permission. You are human already. Why are you looking for validation from other humans? You don't. You already are. You need to live from that place of understanding. It is very. It appears to be very simple, yet it is very profound. You don't need anybody's approval. You need to know who you are. And that is going to be the very first step that we'll dwell on next time. You must know who you are. If you don't know who you are, other people are going to define you for you. And that definition of you, when they have vested interests, it's not going to be funny. You're going to be told that, oh, because we're born in a certain way, you can only do certain jobs like the caste system in India. Because you are born in a certain caste, you remain there for life. Who but says who? Who says that? You are human. You are. We are the rights and privileges. Our rights come from God, not from some religion, not from some system. Nobody is born with three hands or four legs or two heads. No, we are all human. I cannot overemphasize that. We don't need other people to free us, we don't need people to liberate us, we don't need people to give us the freedom to be human. We, we already are. It's very important you understand that. That is why you don't try to change those that are ignorant. You don't try to change them. Because as I've said, let me say it again. If a madman picks their clothes and they're running away with them, you don't go down chasing the madman. The book of Proverbs says, don't respond to a fool in their folly. Don't go down that road. If somebody thinks you're a donkey when you are not, who has a problem? The person who sees you and cannot recognize that you're a human being, they have a problem, not you. Don't accept it. Refuse it. Oh, don't tell me it's difficult. Yeah, they are on the wrong. Shine the light. You know better. Affirm who you are.
While we hope those who believe that they are superior will change, you have to move on with just changing yourself because only you can change yourself. I cannot change what somebody is thinking about me. I know some of you are already thinking, this guy, you are nuts. Of course, that's what you think. I can't change that, but I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me. He that the son of man has set free is free. Indeed, I'm free, that I know. You may tell me I'm being oppressed, but I don't know. Oppressed by who? How? Do you know where I'm coming from? Do you know me? Do you know my history? Yeah, you may think, oh, he came from Africa. So, how did you know I got here? Even if you know, do you know where I'm going? You don't. You don't know the trenches I've been in. You don't know what my mission is. How dare you? How dare you draw conclusions? How dare you even suggest that I'm being oppressed and I don't know? Oppressed by who? How? That I showed up in this country with one suitcase. I'm flourishing. I don't need a definition of how I need to live my life. And that is why everybody should wake up, understand where you are coming from, who you are, what your assignment is, and where you are going. While you may fail to change others, your chances of changing yourself are much higher. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Start believing who God says you are. Everything will fall in place. We've looked at the life of Joseph. He was enslaved, betrayed by his brothers, sent to a country where the people consider him to be detestable, yet he rose to the top. You too can if you change your thinking and your expectation. Yesterday I emphasized that. Let God be God. He knows how to make use of the good, the bad, and the ugly. There is a love, triumphs, forgiveness is for the strong. Don't, 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 don't try to use evil to chase evil. It doesn't work like that. Light is what works. In our next broadcast, I am going to be talking about different things that you can do to put racism out of business. And everything I'm going to be suggesting is going to be focusing on what you can do to change yourself. Before you talk about other people, When you're pointing one finger, I mean, I'm pointing back to you. All these ones are pointing back to you. Focus on yourself. Get your freedom first. Don't generalize. Don't say, oh, my people. No, it's you. What are you doing as an individual? One of my broadcasts, I said majority has never been right. The majority is not right. I'm not against democracy. But each time in the Bible, majority was always wrong. Remember the 10 spies? 12 went out, came back, two said, we can take the land. 10 said that what? No, we cannot. Majority, wrong. 
when Jesus was crucified? Wasn't the crowd shouting, crucify him? Majority wrong. God works with individuals. It's a biblical fact. It's a truth in the Bible. He works with individuals. Even when God called Gideon to fight with the Midianites, remember, 27,000 people showed up. They reduced them right down to 300. God works with individuals. He's always looking for those individuals that want to stand up and be counted. You too can. Don't hide behind the crowd. Don't hide behind the crowd. Segregate yourself. You are choosing people. Segregate yourself unto God. If all your focus is on changing other people, you're going to get frustrated, discouraged, and you're going to give up. That is why the next series of broadcasts, we're going to focus on what you can do to defeat racism because you cannot allow a social construct to stop you from reaching your full potential. It doesn't matter what people do to you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people believe about you. It doesn't matter how people treat you. What matters is how you view yourself. Is how you respond. Don't let go of that power. Don't let go of that power. Because when you do, you, be, you are in the position of weakness and you've lost control. I want to thank you for watching. Do me a favor, share the broadcast. Stay tuned for more updates. God bless you. Have a fantastic rest of your day.